Welcome to the Techmo Podcast, where we talk all things tech and startup in the Denton community. My name is Kyle Taylor. And I'm David Bruno. Let's get started. I'm not Kyle or David. I'm Josh. Welcome to the Techmill Podcast. That was great. Let's stick with that. I'm just going to roll with it. Okay. Okay. You're very easy today because you don't feel good. So I I'm going to get away with a lot. I feel terrible. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, well, everyone, we're sitting here with uh, our uh, usual co-host, David Bruno, who is being interviewed today, and our good friend Josh is coming in to be my co-host and mostly just to take it over because I feel like dirt. So uh, thanks for being here, Josh. I'm, you're very welcome. I'm happy to be here. I do want to say that I was invited to be on this podcast before you were sick. That's true. So I'm not just here as a utility player. That is true. It was it was deliberate. But I'm glad true. that you are here because uh, if you can't tell, I'm actually sweating a little bit. <laughs> I'm getting you got gl- the back sweat. It's uh, I'm got I got the forehead glistening. I can feel it. It's very the hot. The greasy, like mm-hmm. I'm sick, and obviously mm-hmm. I need to not be here. Thing. Right. Mm-hmm. That's it. So, <laughs> so today we are. We thought we'd change it up a little bit and interview one of us. And so David's in the hot seat today. So, all right, David, I'm going to ask you your question. How did you get to Denton? So I've been thinking about that question a lot. (laughs) And I think it's kind of a boring question. I know it's the question I ask. And so I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to flip it around to why I chose Denton rather than any of the surrounding communities. Because how I got here is just kind of boring to me. Isn't, Isn't that kind of implicit? In the question, though, I don't it's know not that literally it is. like how you physically arrived in this geo, like geography, but but that's how everyone answers when you say how how you got to Denton. Everyone answers with the story of how to get there, and to me, I think it's much more interesting to say this is why I chose Denton, and then it kind of has the backstory of well, and you where may, you may before. be coming at it from a more intentional space because you deliberately chose Denton as opposed to arrived here for some other reason. And now you've decided to stay. That is true. Which happens. So anyway, part is true. Go ahead. Yes. How, why yes. did you choose Denton? So I chose Denton, uh, and there's a little backstory to it. So I was living in Grapevine, and uh, I was working in Addison, and we had some friends that lived up here in Denton, and we'd come up here certain weekends and uh, just to hang out, you know, go to Jazz Fest, go to other uh, other events around the town. And after like the second or the third time of driving back like at 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. or something, which is awful on its own, but I, I just started noticing I really enjoy being in Denton much more than being in Grapevine. And also having to drive through Louisville is not a doesn't help that situation because Louisville is awful also. Uh, and so it's, just, it, and so I, I was telling my friends uh, and they started make fun of me because people make fun of the things I say. It seems like I say things that people like to make fun of like general technologist. Um, but uh, so I started saying it was just so chill in Denton. And that was my feeling of every time I would leave Denton, I just would like stress up immediately and then come back and it's just like, wow, it's just so much more laid back here than the rest of the metroplex area especially addison addison's really bad about that so okay so pause for thought for a second i agree with you that addison feels terrible to be inside of it uh and that Louisville, driving to Louisville, going over the lake like i have a real psychological barrier with driving down 35 through the lake yes um it's particularly awful now with all the construction but it's always been kind of a 
an issue. But um, you were saying that that you say things that people then make fun of you for saying them. What kind of friend makes fun of you for saying that Denton is is chill? Which uh, you know, I think is irrefutable. <laughs> no argument here. Just from a speed or from a way it feels to be in a place, it's certainly not as harrowing as, you know, downtown Dallas or, or Richardson or, uh, you know, Jesus save your sweet soul, North Richland Hills or something like that. Well, and I'm from Richardson, so I definitely loathe that part of the city. Yeah. Um, but, well, I think it's because I say the same thing lots of times, and so it just kind of becomes a catchphrase for me. And so, like, it would be more of a, hey, of course David is going to say it's so chill right now. And so that would, I think that's where it comes from. I think he is truly a friend, the guy who would say that. We'll see in the long run. <laughs> We don't have a Josh is dying right now. So, <laughs> wait, no, no, no. I'm the one who's sick. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I tried to breathe water, and that's not a thing humans can do. Anyways, I'm sorry. <laughs> so go on. You, you. It felt better here. Right, right. So it felt better, um, and then so I started investigating the sorts of things that were in here and saw the tech mill. Saw stuff about tech mill while I was still living in. Grapevine and give us a time frame. Like what year was this when you were starting starting to think about moving here? This was so we moved here in fall of 2014. So it's going to be 2013, 2014 time frame. Around the same time Tech Mill was getting started, I think is or y'all had been a year in when we moved here, and so it was around that time frame when Tech Mill was getting started, and so uh, saw things that were going on and that in particular and there's no real community in these other suburbs of dallas like in grapevine why do you think that is i don't know so uh, probably well i think part of it is that people have to commute to a job elsewhere but people do that in denton also but but the people that have to do that here in denton aren't as involved as the people that can work locally so i think that's part of it of uh, when you're driving that far, you're you can't get involved in community things. You can go out to a bar at the end of the day, but you can't get as involved in the community. You just don't have the energy either at the end of the day. Um, and I think part of it's also just the layout of the city. Um, like one thing I hate about Richardson going back there, and Louisville's pretty bad about this too, and Frisco is like their their regular city roads are like six lanes across of concrete and it's like there's no possible way to walk about that walk there to another neighborhood and you're not going to have those chance encounters with people or it's very zoned it's it's either in a residential place where you could walk around a neighborhood but there's nothing no place to go right you have your fences to protect you from other people there's a lot of fear i think also in these richer communities where Someone's going to take everything I have where maybe because we're poorer here relatively, there's less of that. I don't know. <laughs> it's, I, and I don't know if it's just the vibe, the, just the once, once you have a certain type of group of people, you're going to attract more of that type of group of people. Whereas I've, I've always others. felt like, you know, in a, in a town that's, that's a direct sort of, uh, outcropping of Dallas, like the, the sprawl. You know, like Richardson or even Louisville now and places like that. Everything feels very transactional. Right. Like I am at my home. I go to Blimpy's and eat a sandwich. I 
do these things. I will like I could go to Hot Shots, the sports bar, and and you know have a beer with friends or whatever. But that's about it, right? It's not. There's not really spaces that feel communal because they're all in that in that middle section of like we're not quite big enough to support that, but we're not quite small enough to support it either. Because you find those spaces all over Austin. Um, you find some of those places in Dallas if it's like some of the adjacent neighborhoods that's not just all ramrod, like super hardcore downtown, direct downtown business. Deep Elm is kind of like that. Like there's a lot of cool places to like go and hang out with people and do stuff. And you can live in Deep Elm and, you know, walk to work and then go and, and do something like that, which is strangely almost like a micro neighborhood inside of a much larger metropolis can support the same sort of social interaction uh, and collision that a city the size of Denton does. It has to be, I think, individually larger to support it because it doesn't have all that stuff connected to it. Right. And like in Louisville, you have to plan, okay, I'm going to go to this restaurant or I'm going to get in my car, drive to this restaurant. And then after that, we're going to drive to the movie theater. And then after that, we're going to go here. Whereas in, in Denton, because of the walkability, I think you go downtown and you're like, where are we going? I don't know. We'll find somewhere once we're there. And you walk around to, to multiple bars or different restaurants and you just find your way around and, in the meantime, you see people you know, because it's a small enough place, you'll see people you know and just happen to be able to say hi to people that you haven't seen in a while just walking around. And it's a much different experience than I ever had in Richardson or Grapevine or or any of these other places I've lived. So you wanted to move to Denton. You liked how it felt. And you started investigating it. Right. Okay. Yeah, and so then we we decided to move here. We bought a house and decided to, to move up here. Um, now, were you doing Shepherd Dog at this time? Was that, did that already exist, or were you just like an independent freelancer? It did or? not exist. So I was working in Addison at the time. So I was doing uh, consulting work for another small company to a large multinational company. And so I, for a while, I was commuting to Addison. Luckily, there was a friendly work-at-home policy, but um, the commute was, was awful. Um, and so that... I kind of like there are no jobs to do what I do up here until we created Shepherd Dog and I gave myself a job pretty much. Um, otherwise, there was there was nowhere that I would fit, especially a couple years ago. I think maybe now I, I, I would have checked with Ready Rosie, checked with Kubos maybe, but those weren't in the stage that they're at right now at that time. Right. So, so does that... Do you feel like that answers the the question to your satisfaction? Do you feel like that's why you why you arrived here? <laughs> yeah, because it was chill. Yeah, mostly because it was chill. Well, and so it's chill, and I guess my kind of people. And so I'm sure uh, y'all are both nerdier people anyway. And so you know that feeling of I don't quite belong here. Yeah, and you know one thing that's always appealed to me about Denton, and still does even now that that things have, I think, socially or developmentally gotten more contentious uh, around how things are being built or what people are doing or, or what businesses are here or what direction the city should go in, which I think are healthy conversations for a city to have. Um, there's a sense of belonging. And I, I don't want to say a sense of, of community because that's kind of a that's well but that's pretty descriptive you know it's sort of a dopey way of describing um that there are other people that that are like you it feels like you could belong it feels like there's uh 
a, a, a group that at, at the very basic level understands what you want and why you're here. Right. Right. And is also very accepting of you. Like, so how I got started with tech mills, I just started showing up to meetups and I just kept going. And then now I'm on the board of tech mill and that's, it's that's, not, yeah, it's that's not a very, different thing. It's, it's not, not very insular. It's right. not, you can't sit at our table. Right. Uh, Denton forgives, you know, like you could have a great idea and, and crash it right into the ground. And then, uh, and then later people are, you know, pretty supportive of whatever the next thing is that you're going to do to whatever varying degrees people might be supportive of things in Denton. So I think I identify with that. I think I understand um, where you're coming from when you say that it, that it has a certain feel and, and, and could draw you in. Right. Well, and, and now looking back, this, this couldn't be a, a decision point because I didn't know at the time, but looking back, we could not have started our company in Louisville or Grapevine and had the success that we've had, or, or I don't believe we could have. And it is coming down to the community and being able to, to meet other people that are like-minded that actually that invite you in and having those resources out there that really helped. And so I was thinking about this when I was listening to the, the startup podcast the other day and I heard people and I just used the word a few minutes ago about collisions, you know, about intentional collisions. Dave Sims loves to talk about collisions and I loved, I love Dave. I love you, Dave, but <laughs> <laughs> that is just like, it's the modern startup y uh, reframing of networking, right? Just don't say that word, though. right? Because yeah. that's evil. Yeah. Which I. Well, and, it's evil because of the intention. Because a lot of people that will go to a networking event go not to meet people, but to create connections, which is right. A difference there. So you, you think there's a literal difference between well, unplanned collisions in terms of a, a, a community where you're having events where people can meet each other. See, I think this is—I think this is a this is a little semantically weird thing because, like, if I go to a big tech mill event, like, I want to see my friends. Right. I'm interested in what's going on, but if somebody's like, "Oh, you know what? I really need is, a, is an ad agency," I'm like, "This is also a reason I'm here." I agree with that, it's, but, but isn't that essentially like networking? Or do I not look at networking as I'm going to show up and turn this place into a meat market, <laughs> and that's the only reason I'm here? Right. I, I think people that have a negative connotation of networking take it to the bad extreme maybe this say, is, yeah. it's people that are there for self-serving interests not to meet people but to sell to people maybe this is why i don't function well at chamber events because mm. it's maybe. it's there's there's just a lot of desperation and like just only like somebody wants to do my lawn or something and right and it's not to meet and talk to you it's to try to get right. you to buy something which yeah. is a different thing like, and there's a there's a real like deliberate thing where when you like I'll meet people when I go to a mixer or something like that. Like, what do you do? And I'm genuine, I'm genuinely interested in what they do and they talk about it. And then like when they figure out that I'm not someone they can sell something to, then they just immediately <laughs> walk away. Or it, it could be me that I'm, that no one wants to talk to me. That could just be me. I could be, could be. I could be painting a, a lens bias onto, well, if this person doesn't want to talk to me because he doesn't want to sell something to me, not because I'm, yeah. too intense for the mixer or whatever. Can, can I tell you my insurance story that I had one time? <laughs> I, after the three-week uh, trip I have had trying to get insurance for another thing I'm starting <laughs> and how it's just failed at every turn, I would love to hear your insurance <laughs> it's story. It's really short. I mean, uh, so Dallas does the Dallas New Tech event. Every, it's the first Tuesday of the month where they have six companies or whatever go up and pitch their thing. And so Draw Attention had gone, uh, I think it was like last January or February, and we went up and pitched, and it's like a 
like a five or 10 minute thing and it was a really short presentation. And so, uh, answer some questions and then everyone's over. And then afterwards you're just kind of mingling around talking to people. And this guy comes up to me and he hands me his business card and he's a, he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm such a such work for his insurance agency. I'm like, Oh cool. And he goes, do you guys have insurance? And I was like, or he goes, no, he, excuse me. He said, who do you use? And I go, uh, for what? <laughs> and he was like, insurance. I was like, Oh yeah, we don't have that. He goes, you, you don't have insurance? And I was like, am I supposed to? <laughs> it was like, what if someone licks your sticker and gets sick? And I was like, then we have other problems. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we have a marketing and communications issue if people are getting these things. <laughs> yeah. like, I can't wait to crack this open and lick it. Thanks draw attention on yeah. Twitter. So I just imagine he was just like sitting up there and was like, physical product, they need insurance. I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> Anyway, I wish I knew that guy because I've been trying to buy insurance and <laughs> it's tough. I'm when trying we were to looking, it was tough. I'm trying to explain to people a very common business model. And I did this when I started in an ad agency too. It was just like, what do you do? Well, we we're consultants and it's a it's a thing and we we solve problems for people and make recommendations and they pay us for that. What? Like <laughs> <laughs> you don't fit the box. Yeah, I don't fit the box. <laughs> I sell lawnmowers. Just give me that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. So, so, uh, so moving, so that was the end of my story, but, uh, so moving on with you moving here and starting shepherd dog. Uh, so you are our local general technologist, right? So how did you become a general technologist? Through the accumulation of knowledge over many years. <laughs> Is there a book on that? No, not that I know of. Oh, okay. No, I, I really like learning new things, and so I just keep picking up different things. And I don't like saying no to things, which is both good and bad. Um, and so through and, – and I've been desperate many times in my life also. Um, so It's a great motivator for <laughs> learning stuff and, yeah. It is. Well, that, and it's, uh, I'm so bad at being on the podcast now. Josh is like, I'm just going to casually play with this pen. Nope. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> That's a description for basically my whole month, basically. So general technologist, are you, uh, your family's de facto IT support? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every person who knows more or, or pretty much the younger generation I would, would think is the technology support person, but I don't know for sure. But yes, I have to set up my mom's Apple TV and Apple TVs are pretty easy to set up, but I have to do that. And you kind of like it though. You get to peel all the stuff off and yeah. that's not a thing for you. No, not really. You're like a weird robot. Come on. <laughs> Peeling the plastic stuff off and like, that doesn't do it for you. No, I do have a thing where, so every time I get a new Apple device, I try to use as few things out of the, the box as possible. So uh -huh. like I had to pull my power supply out of my MacBooks box the other day because Brandy went out of town and we didn't have one at the house. And so it pained me to have to take it out of the box. But when I unwrap it, I put it back together again carefully and put it back in the box so that when I dispose of it or sell it or whatever, I can wrap it back up exactly how it was. I wish your audience could see the look I'm giving yep. you right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only because, and I'm not, I'm not invalidating your feelings or your process, it's just the way I... Like if I buy something at Best Buy, I have it halfway ripped open before I'm to the car. <laughs> <laughs> and 
Well, I'm I'm a mess. Anyway, so yeah, I I respect yeah. that level of organization and neatness. That's yeah. probably how you're able to keep up with things like AirPods. Yeah, it yeah. does help. There there's a strategy to that. It's like they're in my pocket. Okay, we're good. But uh, yeah, so and I have a whole pile of Apple boxes in my closet. Also, it's there's a lot. There's probably like twenty or thirty Apple. So desperation boxes. has driven you to gain new skills. Yeah. So I have a different, so the normal question is. And like, I zero in on that because I identify with it so Right. Much. Yeah. And I'm going to have to tell a backstory to get there probably. And so, um, I, so what, what's normally asked and what I prepared for mentally was how'd you get into technology? And so, um, I started doing technology things as a kid cause my dad was really into computers and he has a master's in computer science. Um, <coughs> And so I've been, I got my first computer when I was 13 years old and I was, it's one of those things that comes pretty naturally and like my brain works that way, operates that way of ones and zeros kind of well. Um, And so, but then when I, and so I went to college at North Texas back when I first graduated high school and went for a computer science degree and then moved to UTD. I can't remember. Oh, I got a scholarship at UTD. So I moved there, did computer science there. And then my life kind of fell apart for various reasons through probably a very, a series of very bad decisions that I made financially, mostly. And so I dropped out of college, lost, well, I, first I failed three classes and then lost my scholarship and then dropped out of college and then um, got to the point where I was waiting tables multiple places and got to the point where I didn't have a car, had an apartment I couldn't afford and wasn't eating three meals a day. I feel like there was some sort of like cataclysmic event in here. It was just slowly downhill. I I guess in the apartment before that, I did get evicted from also after losing my car. So, it well, I mean, having credit as a kid, and I consider an 18, 19, 20-year-old a kid still is bad, especially for someone who me like me who doesn't really look that far into the future as far as decisions are made. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, you know, also future David will solve this problem of credit card debt. <laughs> oh man, I have laid so many traps for future Josh. It's not even funny. Yeah, so Past Josh is a real jerk. <laughs> yes. Past David is quite a jerk. And yeah, so I decided that I needed to fix up my Honda Civic and spend go into credit card debt on that on a car I was already paying on. Uh, like I didn't own the car. I was paying the bank for the car still, you know? And so it was, so is this like you wanted to, were you like racing or did you just need to put like cool neon lights on the bottom or it was wanting to make it faster. Am I focusing on the wrong details but here? Like not. You throw a, a turbocharger on it and like racing slicks or what? I didn't, I did not have the money for that. That was a plan that I wanted <laughs> that to do. That was your do. stretch goal? Well, well, see the idea was, and I don't know how. And, you, and give me a time period for this. What year was this? This was like 99. 2000. Okay. I was also making terrible decisions around this right, time. So right, yeah. we're around the same age. Yeah, yeah. So we, we're, we're making bad decisions all around the same time. Maybe it was just a bad... It wasn't us. It was those, those it was years. It was the 90s. Yes, it was the 90s. It was a dot-com. What could I have done? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah so, it was, so the plan was... I don't know how much you know about import cars, but you know about turbos. So there... The, I know as much as you can learn from playing Gran Turismo for like five years. There you go. <laughs> so, so in Japan, they had souped up versions of the engines of all the cars. And yeah. so the plan was eventually to have a souped up JDM engine in the car rather than 
the the little crappy one that I bought. And so, but it, it was just stupid though. I mean, you, I should not have been spending my money on that. And it was like trying to keep up with my peer group. One of my friends made similar stupid decisions. And so I made similar stupid decisions and that's not to blame that, but it's just, that's what happened. Yeah. And so that, so I got to the point where I wasn't eating three meals a day and I was spending my money on, I like, uh, and that was for liquor instead. But was that like for financial decisions? Like, like you didn't have the money to eat? Well, yeah, I didn't have the money. Like, so there, there's calories in malt liquor. There, <laughs> there are. Uh, yeah, so I was waiting tables and not making enough money. I, I, well, and so a couple of the restaurants I was working at went out of business also. Uh, I was working at... Bennigan's. No, it wasn't Bennigan's. Oh. What's the country one? The Black Eyed Pea. Black Eyed Pea. Uh. I was working at Black Eyed Pea when it out of, went out of business. Um, and I was working at a Good Eats after that, which was just a black eyed pea called Good Eats, pretty much. But the one in Denton? No, uh, no, I was no, in oh. black eyed pea. Was this? I was in Plano mm, at okay. this time because I was also bouncing around different houses. This is not really a story. Well, it's a story. Hey, you're telling it. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't have to yeah. talk about anything you don't like. You're not comfortable uh, with. It's just it's I'm, fascinating. To I'm like, just going to ramble on. But that's you know? fine. Yeah, because during there were problems. There were problems. <laughs> I got kicked out of both of my parents' houses multiple times, um, and I guess technically homeless at one point. But anyhow, were you at least living in the Japanese import car? No, I didn't have that at that point. Okay, that got. <laughs> I fell behind Have you seen the payments. terrible the the decisions he's making? I'm not really sure. <laughs> like I'm really trying to like okay, this is David in 1999. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> and that is to say that young people are stupid. <laughs> young people are super dumb. Like I and I and I try to like I'll meet people occasionally that are that are 25 and they're like, "Well, listen, I got it all figured out." And I'm like, "Let me tell you about how stupid right. you are." Yeah. <laughs> because I was really smart at 25 and boy, did I understand how stupid I was when I turned 30. And now that I'm going to be like 38 pretty soon, I'm like, boy, was I super dumb when I was 30. I didn't even realize it. <laughs> and it just go and like you get exponentially dumber like every couple of years you go back in yeah. life. So yeah, looking back, it's just embarrassing, so almost you, embarrassing. It's well, yeah, but you know, all roads, all roads lead to where you are, right? Like you're a construction right. of whatever you used to be. So all these things happen, and what I've discovered about making bad decisions and being in a place where you are casting about and trying to find reasons that are not just because you're making bad decisions, because it's not really possible for you to be wrong about what decisions you're making at that point in your life. Cause you don't know any better, right? It, you right. can't, it's, it, you don't, you don't even know what question to ask to start digging yourself out of that hole right. for a while. So all these, so bad things happen to you. Uh, you made some bad decisions. You're, you're waiting tables. You can't eat. What, was the what was the event what did you have like did you get the epiphany sweats and then all of a sudden you like you saw a path forward or was it was were you filling that jug drop by drop and made made small changes to get out of that so it was a big change and so it, oh and so just to say that i am answering the question this is just to show that i'm accumulating knowledge through all these different things sure, of course so through this time period i waited tables i tried being a used car salesman I think I went to massage therapy school during that time, finished, but didn't ever take the test. So I never became a massage therapist. Um, you still all got that knowledge, though. I'm very good at massaging. You know what's up. <laughs> um, 
So I, I did a number of things. And so I've always excelled at picking up those new things and enjoyed doing that. And so the, the life-changing event was I was in my apartment drinking with a friend like at two or three in the morning watching the invasion of Iraq in early 2003 is because it took two years after 9-11 to say it was those guys. Let's go get them. Um, but it wasn't. Them. It wasn't those guys. No, it wasn't at yeah. all. So I, I, he was like real. My friend was really psyched about joining the army, and it turned out he never did. But I was like, okay, I'll join the army. They will. They promised three meals a day, and uh, housing also. And so, plus the nice thing is, if you join the military, you can get out of your lease, and so, like for free. It solved a lot of problems. It solved a lot of problems. Yeah. And so I didn't tell anyone, like I didn't tell my mom till after I joined the army that I joined the army because that's how I operate a lot of the time. You know, it's the, <laughs> the lack of foresight thing kind of. It's like, eh, I'll probably be in Iraq within a year, but eh. I did I a mean, thing. It's, what's worse? Yeah. yeah. I just signed away what, eight years of my life. I mean, you know, it happens. <laughs> and yeah, so I joined the army, which was a great ex- I would never want to do it again at this point looking back it was a great experience and it's probably the best thing that has happened to me because it taught me discipline it taught me fighting through anything I mean I went through a fairly easy path of training because I was a generator mechanic and so hey there's another thing I learned I learned being a mechanic during this um, and but it allowed me to get out of credit card debt at that point in time. I've found a way back into it now, fortunately. Well, but, now you're a small business owner. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it, it solved a lot of problems and allowed me to pick up more skills. I did end up getting to go to Iraq for a year also, and so that was eventful. Uh, it was really fun at the beginning also. Like, so, so we flew into Kuwait. And we drove on Humvees. Like, we didn't have armor on anything. There was no armor on anything when we first went over there. Um, and, like, I got to sleep on the hood of a Humvee in southern Iraq. And, it, like, it was beautiful sunset and everything. It was such an adventure for, like, the first three days to a week. And then it just became drudgery and pretty awful after that. Um, so, yeah, went through the Army, finished that, and then got out of the Army with a back injury. So I only served three years. But I got out with a back injury and could not find a job anywhere despite, well, with a back injury, I didn't want to be a mechanic. Sure. Because that's not always a good thing, lifting heavy things. Um, and so I went, looked for a job for months um, and then got into banking. And it's kind of like when on the office when Michael says he's in banking and he says he's a teller because I was a teller. And it's just like, it's not in banking. You're just a bank teller. <laughs> um, but through familial connections, I then moved to another bank here, a local bank here, which I will not name because I don't like them very much. Um, and then moved into different roles there. I was started as auditor. Then I became the compliance officer. Then I became the compliance officer and the BSA officer. And then I became both of those and the operations manager. And then I had a meltdown of sorts and my life fell apart again. Hey, there's a common theme, life falling <laughs> apart. Maybe that's a good thing when your life falls apart. Well, okay. So the structure of what happened last time is like you can, 
if if you know anybody that's grown up and around the time that we've grown up and you understand sort of the basic concept of the quarter life crisis and like I don't know what I'm doing and and you know money was way cheap at the end of the 90s and you can get yourself in you don't even need to get into like serious debt to get into trouble or put yourself in situations that are problematic right right it's sort of a symptom of of the generation like the late gen x <clears throat> like the tail end of that sort of how how things worked right uh you could it, it was this like sort of crushing sense of ennui because you're sort of raised with an idea and then that idea does not actually apply to real life and you you can't track it right? right so then you get into trouble and things happen but you 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 went on a journey you know you you joined the army or you're, you're a, a war veteran you know you have all these things and you got your stuff back together again so what and and again you can talk about this to the level that you're comfortable talking about it but was it a common thing within you that led to that sort of second th- series of things falling apart or or was it that you hadn't like you had fixed a lot of symptoms of a core problem but hadn't really addressed the core problem or was it just a totally new set of circumstances it was a new set of circumstances but it probably relates to fundamental things about me and based upon things you've said in the past you might share some of these similar things but I have trouble being happy in situations sometimes. Um, and a lot of that I think was dealing, working for other people <laughs> and, so, and them doing as a uh, computer nerd type person, when things don't go my way, I get irritated, I guess, or I, I think I have the best idea of how things should be done. And that relates to business as well as on computer things. Is that related to, you know, computers make sense right? Like there's a, there's a knowable outcome. If you do a thing you're supposed to do, then this happens. If you do a thing you're not supposed to do, or you don't do it right, then at least there's some sort of thing that tells you how to fix it. Right. Right. You can diagnose it. You can track it. it, It's an orderly system that makes sense. Right. And that's one of the few, or being a mechanic, I bet is the same way. I bet there's probably for a person like you, there's troubleshooting, there's troubleshooting. It's a meditative sort of process of like all these parts go in here. And if things are put together the right way, it's going to work nothing else in life works that way. Right. <laughs> so that, that has been a thing for me is like, I, I checked my boxes and I did this. And I think this is why I've ended up being like a dog and I don't make plans and I'm poorly organized because I don't see a return on it. Right. Right. And that it's like, I, you can plan as much as you want and then somebody punches you in the mouth and like, it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> and you have to improvise anyways. So, and that's been my life experience, and I don't believe in calendars. Like I, yeah. Like Brandy handles that because I'm not good at it. Yeah, I yeah. just refuse. Yeah. No, but, and I'm I'm very fortunate that you know uh, Diana was kind enough to come and work <laughs> with me at Swash and and handle so much of that orderly stuff because in the way that she does it, it works and she's good at it. You know, and I suppose I could do it, but like any transgression from how things are supposed to go, like is incredibly frustrating. And I I understand right. sort of how emotionally fragile a being that I am when this is not the deal. Right. And it's not, you know, and I, I'm not going to say that it's not necessarily healthy for me to react that way. It's just something I know about myself. Right. So I identify with what you're talking about. Yeah. So working for other people. Well, that, yeah, that was not cool. being the captain of your own destiny. Yeah. There were also issues in my personal life that were happening, which I won't go into, but, but one of them was my daughter. Um, we went in to figure out the sex of my daughter 
And we found out that she had a condition called hydrocephalus, which means that there was excess fluid in her brain. And it's one of those situations when you go to, to the doctor and like there's a nurse or a technician checking things and then they're like, I just need to leave the room for a moment. And then they're gone for like five to 10 minutes. It's always a bad thing. And so that was the situation. There's never and a thing where like, they come back and like, oh, so she has super strength. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> no, that does not team. happen. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like one of the, and this is one of the punches in the face or kick in the gut or elsewhere in the anatomy that, that happened that you can't plan for. And it's like one of the, supposed to be one of the happiest moments where you, and I might start tearing up here. So apologize for that, but you're supposed to go in and figure out some one of the happiest things in your life of uh, I'm going to have a daughter, I'm going to have a son. And then you find out this and you don't even know how to handle it. You don't know how to process it. No one's telling you what you, you, you need don't to even, know. You don't it's even properly like, know what it means. You don't right. know what questions to ask. Right. And it just sounds awful. And it is. And you don't, because at that point, I don't think you have the parental instinct like you do later. Like, like once your child is born, it's like, immediate it's like i must protect this thing but at that point i didn't have that yet well and it's funny because when you have a kid you you enter a club that you don't understand until you have a kid and it's people always say that to you like you know uh like well you don't you it can't, seems so condescending it seems so condescending you're like don't put that on me i know what it means i'm gonna have a kid and it doesn't but then the kid gets there and then something happens yes and it, and you can't know what it's like until you have a kid and i you know uh diane and i have been so fortunate and so lucky like harper is uh, like there were never any issues. You know, she slept through the night for the first month. You know, we wanted to have more kids and we can't, but Harper is amazing and I've never had to deal with that. So I, I immediately identify with what you're saying about you are a parent and you, and you have that parental parental instinct and you get into it. But I don't know if it's as a, as a, as a product of that parental instinct or if it's uh, totally divorced from it, but not only is it, absolutely impossible for me to even begin to put myself in your situation and have any sort of real understanding of what that means. Um, it's almost as if now being a parent and understanding what that means, it's like, I don't even, it's like a thing in my brain. I don't even want to try to touch because it's like, I don't, I don't have the right to begin to try to understand that because I'll never begin to understand it. Um, so, and the, the compounding thing for me is, uh, like I had a, a malignant melanoma when I was 20 and they, and I was like, I went to the doctor and it was that thing where he's like, uh, I gotta leave the room for a minute. I'll be right back. And he left and came back and he's like, you gotta go get this. Thing. So then in that moment, you're like, Oh man, something's wrong with me. And it was for, I was there for something else. Right. So then I went to go have it checked and the, the, uh, dermatologist was like, well, I'm going to cut this out today. I just, I want you to know that. And you know, like probably nothing to worry about, which is like, why would you tell me that? You know, like it's not true at all. If, if you're cutting this thing out today, there's something to worry about. And I'm get so, and I'm, this is sounds like a weird, like side path, but so they called me a week later and he was like, well, you know, uh, we'll let you know how it is. And since then I've had 21 excisions of, of moles that they thought might be melanomas. Um, and he's like, well, we'll call you. And sometimes they never even call, which is worse, but he, they cut it out. And then the lady called me and she said, listen, your test results are back. Uh, and it's a malignant melanoma. So you have cancer. Someone's going to call you in a few minutes. And they hung up. So in that 10 minutes between that phone call and the next phone call where somebody actually started explaining something to me, it was like the worst panic I've ever had in my life. 
So as you were telling that story, I was trying to map that feeling that I had onto how I would feel if somebody did that about my kid. And it is unimaginable. Right. Like I can't even begin to touch what that must be like. So damn. What? Well, for me, it's mostly blocking it out and not accessing that region of my emotions most of the time because I can't handle it. But anyhow, so that's, I guess the point of that is to say got got kicked in the, or punched in the face. Right. And it forced me towards, it didn't force me, but I made a lot of life changes at the time. And I was completely overwhelmed at work because I don't know if you know this, but I kept taking on titles. And not saying, no, I can't do this other thing anymore. I need to. And so I was just doing three people's high-level jobs. You made the mistake of showing you were competent. Well, yeah, that. Well, And I asked for it. You know, I, I wanted my thoughts at that time were I wanted to move up. Like, didn't know where up was, but that's where I wanted to be. Which, luckily, I've figured out how to solve that problem in myself. But... But I think it's a lot what a lot of younger folks and looking back at younger me, I was such an idiot, like you were saying. But a longer a lot of younger folks just think, okay, what's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? And there is no next step really. Well, it's the balm of new. Right. right. It's like I'll get this job and then I'll solve my problems. Well, it's that and also as you you go to high school, or you go to college, better. you get a job, right. you move up, and you know, it's always it's a very linear right. like you're on rails and this is the path you're supposed right. to be. Right. On. It's like this is where I'm supposed to be now. And so I I ditched that whole idea of wanting to move up and I moved so with the 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 bank was very uh, nice to be able to move. I was able to move into the technology department, became a systems administrator there. And um, so that's where I picked up some of my other general technologist skills there, working on servers. Um, I already had all the knowledge of banking compliance and other things, which was helpful and also helped me even to the day reading contracts, knowing how, how things work in that world also. Um, and I also knew how finances worked from working in banking because I had to learn all that stuff. Um, and so then moved into the technology side and they were examining getting a mobile app for the bank. I need to breathe a little bit. I'm not breathing. Uh, you know, I, I, w- I wonder, I, you know, I had a little bit of that too when I, when I discovered I was unhappy working for other people, like your instinct is to get promoted or to do whatever. And it seems so weird. And I don't know if it's, if it's emblematic of our generation or if other generations have this sort of thing. And, uh, you know, Diana did some work in, uh, like higher education and, and how kids come to college and like the idea they have about what college means or what the path needs to be. Um, and, but everything does seem really linear, you know, and right. I, and I think that that can create an issue, especially for people that are creative, that, uh, aren't necessarily built a hundred percent to, to work within a system like that. And that's not saying that's better or worse. It's just like, I know I have ways that I learn. I have ways that I think I have ways that I function on a team. So the idea of the fully linear path always seemed like attractive because that's what it was supposed to do. But it also seemed sort of loathsome because it was like pre-programmed for me. Right. But then when you get out of college, 
uh, or even while you're trying to finish college, it becomes this thing like, well, I have to do it this way. Right. Because if I don't do it this way, then, you know, all that's on the other side is penury and disgrace and homelessness and so, so, you know, like so many negative things. Uh, whereas it would seem like there, there could be a benefit to saying, or to, I don't know how you do it. Like, I don't know how you introduce people early on to the idea of sort of how real life works and not do it in a cynical way, which is, well, you're going to hate your job and whatever, cause that's how it's supposed to, to be. Cause that's terrible, but not also like you can do anything you want and be anything you want because that's not necessarily true. <laughs> you well, know, well, there's just a lot of hard work. Well, there's involved a lot of, with right. it. I and mean, you can to a certain extent. That's the part but, that's not right. sunk into it, right? <laughs> right? Like you had a you had a basic set of skills and abilities that you then successfully over time adopted to shifting personal circumstances and needs, and that turned you into kind of the the person you are now. And there's that's a good like that's good. That's a good outcome. It's a good result. So. Do you, do you feel like as you were, as you were moving through these and you were, do you ever feel like you used work as an escape from real life? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's how I pushed the other things off to the side. Yeah. It, it, and it's something I'm trying to work on because especially like this last year was a very busy year in the bad busy way where projects just don't go well and you're slaving away to, to get them done. Um, and so I would just get up in the morning, go work and then just work all day pretty much and right. take a lunch break and stuff. But, but like it was easy to know what to do next because what to do next was work and you don't have to think about anything else. You just work. Right. And then got finished with some projects and then I'm like, what do I do in the mornings? Right. And I still don't have an answer for this. Like my preferred thing to do right now would be to get up and go to work because then I don't have to think about anything else. It's just, okay, work. And then I'm also in the binary world where it works or it doesn't work, which is a very nice world to be <laughs> right. in. As but it's was, comfortable, it's safe, it's an understood system. It's right, yeah. Because yeah. I was talking to Little Doc about my teaching experience so far, and it, teaching people is nothing like that. You have no <laughs> idea whether you are impacting them positively or negatively or anything. You can kind of look at their faces and see how they solve problems, but you really don't know. In the same way as does this computer program run? It does. It does what I ask it to. And so it's a, it being able to escape to that world, like you said earlier, escaping to that is just, it's a very nice place to be. And so, yes, I, I think I have an obsessive personality anyway. And right now work is filling a lot of holes. How do you, what, what methods are you using to kind of break yourself out of that pattern? Cause I know for me, it's a thing I've consciously had to do at sort of every level of, of swash, like every time it has leveled up and I've been like, okay, I need to reorder my own role because I hired people. So I need to not try and do all of their jobs. And then, okay, now there are people that work here and we can do more if I'm delegating and doing these other things. And now still like the last time we were here and we talked about it, I was in the middle of like, I'm trying to remove myself entirely from these processes and just develop business. And it's still a struggle for me, but I have little, there's little things that I've, so that's one set of it, but then the other set of it is not working 24 hours a day and forcing yourself to do stuff. And I, in every, like a fast company and like Inc and Forbes are always like, this entrepreneur only works one day a month or yeah. something like garbage. that, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's total garbage. Um, and every time I try to do some sort of thing, I try to implement some sort of a habit, which I'm an obsessive person too. And if I, 
introduce a habit and it sticks, I'll do it forever. But every time I've tried to like, I'll do my to-do lists like this, or I'll take one afternoon a week off and, and just go read a book or whatever it is. Like it always fails and always feels like I'm just, I'm faking it. So, but you still find ways to do it. So, and I have, I have gotten better at not working 24 hours a day. So what, what has been successful for you in trying to break yourself out of those patterns that while productive and sometimes it's good to find a balance can definitely turn into, Hey, I haven't really talked to anybody on a personal level or made like a real connection with someone in like a week. Well, and so the, the good slash bad part of me is that I don't say no or, or I don't like saying no to social obligations either. So I'll just do both and just I won't work 24 hours a day, but I'll work a 12 hour day and then go out afterwards with friends and then sleep is what suffers for me, which right. is which is bad because then I get all crabby and every I hate everything. And that's not a good place to be in either. That's hard for me to imagine. Yeah, me crabby and yeah. hating everybody. Yeah, yeah. That's my general situation. Like reading, <laughs> reading the internet. Oh, they're all idiots. That's why I don't tweet much because I would just be angry all the time, and I don't want to be that person. Um, but so I, I tried a, at the beginning of the year, as we all do. I tried some new habits, and and I don't know if it was the circumstances of not having a purpose or being stuck in a rut with my new habits, but it, it made me feel depressed. For some reason, I was feeling depressed, and it might have been that I don't have work pushing me forward right now. Well, there's but, that, and there's a little bit of malaise that comes with that, but then right. sometimes when I try to do a thing, it's like, here I am trying to help myself. Yeah. yeah. Trying to engage in self-improvement <laughs> in this thing that I don't believe in. Right. But I'll be better if I do it, I guess. You know, I, okay, so I get it. Well, it was just trying to do something other than working first thing in the morning right really and so and like i was just doing chores around the house which i don't mind doing chores around the house but i always feel like work takes precedence because that's how i make money and i inherited yeah i inherited de-stressing by doing dishes from my mom yeah so it's, it's really nice with the airpods you put the airpods in you I listen bet. to your music or your podcast you See, do your dishes I, yeah that's i get it i've right. i've been running first thing in the morning since the beginning of the year and that's congratulations on keeping that up. That's, uh, yeah, that's, and I've I've taken a couple of rest yeah. days, and you know the hilarious thing is like because I want to I want to lose weight because I'm running races and like I want to do marathons and everything. So I've run like 180 miles since January 1st, and I've like I've gained two pounds, which is really hilarious. <laughs> but running is like the most meditative thing for me and i saw a shirt the other day i don't usually want to buy clever shirts with like sayings on them like right. I'll, I'll i want to buy pop culture referential things but not just stuff but this said i run because murdering people is illegal <laughs> <laughs> and i was like i i identify with that like i i'm much easier to deal with when i'm when i'm running and everything yeah so, and i probably need that i mean exercise i'm not a balanced person at this point in time at all yeah sorry Kyle. Okay, so third question. I'm gonna I'm gonna redirect just a little bit because I'm like, man, we've been talking for like, yeah, I got like ten minutes, almost yeah. an hour. Yeah, and, so, and and I'm not really even sure. Like, other I just want to say I was on set at eleven. <laughs> <laughs> I was ready to go. I know, I know. I apologize. Um, and I also noticed that if I talk for even just like a minute, I get like this little phlegm built up in my throat. So I'm not that's, gonna talk for very long. It's that's awesome. a pretty picture. This is a great podcast today. Let me just tell you guys that. Also, man, you and like you, you have shared some things I recognize are like personal and emotional, and I like I thank you. Like that's that's cool. Um. So, uh, 
Is there anything technology-wise you would like to... So, I mean, I know you know C-sharp, right? And so did you learn that from banking? And did you ever go back to school or do you just... I know. I know it's boring. I know. But I want to just... I w- because here's why. Because the last question is, if you had one piece of advice to give to someone... But honestly, that's probably not going to be tech-related based on the conversation we've had today. Yeah. Right? That is Every pr- time I get in here, it's about feelings. It's not it's about... feelings mm-hmm. and emotions. What life to. means. Because <laughs> everything else is a tool. Right. Right. right, and that's how I see technology as a tool. I don't, other than Apple Gear, which I like because it solves a problem. I think usually, like that's the way they approach it: is solving problem rather than, oh, look at the cool specs here. But, well, but Apple Gear, while it is obsessively designed, it also it works. Right, and for a technologically motivated person, I think that's really attractive. Is you don't have to. You don't have to do anything special in order to get it to work. Right. It just sort of magically works. And, and you know it's not magic. And you appreciate that that the went work. into the... Yeah. The, yeah. Especially so. if you run the betas of any uh, like iOS betas, you can see how many bugs they fix. But that goes back to... So C Sharp to me is a tool. Every language that I've known and picked up is a tool rather than something that I think is cool. I, like I only use the things that I need to accomplish my job. But so I, I learned C sharp. I picked it up while I was doing consulting for the large international company because they were using VB.net and VB.net is not a good thing to build things in, in my mind. And so I just started teaching myself C sharp. And with, I mean, using the internet today, you can learn anything. And so I just, using the framework of what I already knew, I just started learning that new thing. And so that's what I've done with everything. So I started programming again got back i didn't become a like a software developer until like five years ago five or six years ago so i was like 31 32 years old before i said this is the job i'm going to do instead of all these other things and i enjoyed a lot more but it so it started with objective c i wanted to make an iphone app and so i made an iphone app and it was not well written by how it should be done but it accomplished the problem at hand you made a thing yeah i made a thing and and so and that's what matters to me is not oh i use the right i mean now that i'm good at it and do it a lot more it matters about the architecture and how it's built and everything but at a fundamental level and what i want to tell my students as i'm teaching them is if it does something that's what's important it's not that you did it the right way you know what's funny is i know a lot of developers and the ones that seem to have the most healthy relationship with their work are the ones where it's their second or third act. Like my brother-in-law uh, taught himself to do Android development while he was uh, like working at Funimation and doing some other stuff, and and then he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be a developer now." And it was when he was almost thirty, and and now he's just like a cool developer that does excellent things all over the place. And he, and he has a real, like, it doesn't, it's not emblematic of the way he looks at the world. It's just, I learned how to do this thing and I can do it. And, and because of all the rest of my skills and, you know, he was technologically super competent and all these sorts of other things, didn't come out of the sysadmin world like you did, but, you know, had come at it from a different direction. Now he likes it and you've got it. And, and it seems like the, you know, your reasons for knowing things have, like, it makes a lot of sense. Well, yeah. It, I don't believe as a software developer, knowing just software stuff is enough to actually build tools that help people because you need to know what problem you're solving and you need to know how the world operates and how real people operate also. Cause I've run into that where it's someone who's older than me, but just had a computer science degree, went and worked at one of the big 
local companies and is just naive about the entire world and doesn't know how the real world operates. And I think that's a fundamental thing. They can build a thing that accomplishes function in a vacuum. Right. To these specifications. Right. But it's not taking in any of the additional knowledge. I mean, that's what I bring to everything I build is this additional knowledge. I know business, I know banking, I know, and I know how to apply the things I've learned to new things. And there's that experience probably gives you like a direct UX application and understanding how the, the design right. of, a, of an app or a tool as opposed to just the, the functional construction of it. Right. Yeah. That was, I actually considered going to grad school at UNT. Um, I graduated out of CSC department, but I wanted to go into College of Information. And because they had a master's program that was related to um, usability, it was it was around learning disabilities, right? So it's like, hey, let's research on uh, learning disabilities and how we can make software or technology like better for those people. And I was like, and I was just interested in usability in general. And I was like, you don't, you don't have to have a disability to make things better. Yeah. Right. Like you should just, you just have to care better. Yeah. You just have to care <laughs> and, just, and have the energy to put in that extra effort. And really just thinking about it is the first step of, Oh yeah, I do need to make this accessible yeah. to people. Um, so, uh, let's just, we'll do the last question. Okay. Really quick. Um, I don't even know how to f- phrase this. Uh, I'm going to phrase it. What advice would you give to someone in the technology sector? Or what you do, but uh, based on your story, I mean, I would ask you. Can I modify this? You can sure I make can. A Please do. Thank God. What advice would you give someone who feels adrift? That's hard to say because I don't know that I've ever felt adrift because I never had a destination in mind. Like I still don't have a destination in mind. I might still be doing this in five years or it might have taken me somewhere else. And I, I'm not a, a planner. I'm not a calendar or maybe even, Maybe even frustrated professionally, maybe even if they feel like they're stuck in a rut. Mm-hmm. You know, like what, what, what advice would you give someone in terms of how they, how they might look at their, their life or their situation so let me preface this with saying I don't like giving people advice because I don't feel like I know. And I think that every situation is very different. But at the same time, there is a general thing of, and I think you might have said this on your podcast, but life is short and there is not time to put up with an unnecessary amount of BS. And, and so I say unnecessary amount because you have to pay your dues also. And so you can't just... You can't just say, no, I, I deserve to be in charge of this thing when you haven't proven that you can and you haven't gone through the, the, the slog You can't first. break the rules before you learn them. Right. But then again, I, I think something that I would have liked or would have been helpful to me maybe earlier on is to know that there are other alternatives other than that linear path that we were discussing earlier of – these are different things that you could do. You could start your own business. <laughs> like if I'd started a business when I was younger and didn't have uh, the kind of overhead I do now, it would be even easier than it is now. Um, so I, I really, I'd say just do something and then see if it works. And if not, do something else and then see if that works. And uh, number one piece of advice would be don't get yourself into debt. If at all possible, <laughs> keep your overhead low. <laughs> Just not debt. Debt is yeah. This is going to sound oddly predeterministic for a cosmic nihilist uh, <laughs> like I am, but I I 
sometimes I feel like opportunities uh, don't appear. Not that they aren't there, but they don't reveal themselves to you until you know what to do with them. And that may be that the opportunity existed, but you just couldn't see it. Yeah, well, yeah, and it's like the whole you read a book at one point in your life and it doesn't have much of an impact and you read it again five years later and it actually means something to you. And then I don't know if it's predetermined or if it's just chance and I don't know which one is scarier of those two either. But And I guess going back to my advice, it's just, just do things like there are no limits on what you can do or at least I think that's what my progression shows. You can be a massage therapist and a combat veteran and have waited tables and a junior executive officer at a bank and a software developer. And it's like, it's not, you don't have to say I am this it's, I am a general technologist, but that doesn't even encompass what my life path obviously we've been talking for an hour about my life path and it's just you don't have to be put in a box it's easy to define yourself by a title or a role or a job description but you're really only defined by what you do right right and and the, yeah the job description doesn't even usually say what you're doing it's just yeah you are you uh you you made me think of skyrim i don't know why you were like doesn't reveal itself. It's like, why have I been carrying this piece of trash for 3,500 hours? Oh. Yeah. I get to the mage tower. <laughs> this is a reagent I need to do the uh, the fireball. Yeah. I cast magic missile. Yeah. I think that's the end of the podcast. That is that is definitely the end of the podcast. Uh, cool. Well, David, thanks for talking with us today on the other side of the table. My pleasure. <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't awful. It wasn't it was awful. From Thank this you, point David. of view, it feels awful. I don't... Um, I hope it felt a little bit cathartic at least. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And he's back. He's back to what we know. Well, thank you guys for inviting me. I appreciate it. Thanks for being on. Yes, thanks Uh, for being here. David, how can people get in contact with you? Uh, Probably Twitter at David Bruno. Bruno I think you're everything. Yeah, I try to do everything at David Bruno. I like to be consistent. It's one of those things about me. Cool. Well, smash that like button. We say that every time now. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Fill out a review, kid. You give yeah. us five stars. <laughs> right now, we are a, helps a highly rated five-star podcast yeah, see? at this point in time. And yeah, I think we need go. to keep that up. We need yeah. more of that. Yeah, It helps us. Yes. yes. And if you subscribe on iTunes, kids, get it before anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> it just shows up on your device. How easy is that? It's, it's so fact. cool. It's That's all you fact. need. You don't have to go and like look for it. You don't have to... A hangout on SoundCloud. It just <laughs> it just happens. We you it's magically you get wisdom right on your device. It's amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, we're doing this every two weeks, so we'll see you guys then. And other than that, uh, bye bye. Oh, it's not registering very much. That's better. I can hear I you. Can hear there me. you go. But you're. But I turned the knob. Oh, um, the on knob. It's. How y'all doing today? 
Yeah, see, Josh is great. <laughs> that's probably Mine a little. Looks pretty good because he's in control. Oh, okay, of that's right. I, <laughs> I got a David laugh, and the David laugh is is like my equalizer. I can see the David laugh. Okay, okay. that works. Excellent. <laughs> All right, don't get those off. All right, let's get this over with. Thank you.